Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. It's a day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice in it. I'm so thankful for the, the great shining light that Glenn Allen poses to the world, both near and far. Uh, thankful for the thoughts that Billy gave us on the things that are being done and the things that will be done, the uh, good works, the shining light, the salt influence that Glen Allen shows is, will be uh, increased by God, by our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. It's so good to be with you this morning. And I want to say before we begin into the body of the lesson, the most important decisions that are being made right now, every day, are not in Washington, D.C., not in London, not in Paris, not in Munich, not in Moscow, not in Beijing. They're being made in heaven. Keep that in mind as we look through this prayer. The most important decisions, the significant ones, the things that really, truly, eternally matter come from our Lord as he sits with all authority at God's right hand. So never fear. He's the one who runs things. He's the one who is Lord over all of creation. He has all authority. This prayer that we'll look at has 66 words. In those 66 words, about three quarters, 73% are one syllable words. Think about that. Here's our Lord who has taught his disciples, telling us, pray this way. These are the essentials of prayer. And he doesn't use highfalutin words. He doesn't use fancy words. 73% of the words of those 66 words are one-syllable words. That's what our Lord does for us. He teaches us that way. Now, <clears throat> I've broken the unwritten rule of sermons. The unwritten rule of sermons is that you have three main points, and then that's it. And I've broken that already. I have seven points to cover, so we better get busy. We have, a couple, we have some territory to cover, but we will do it as quickly, as efficiently as we can. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, as our Lord talks to the disciples, he speaks to his disciples, as well as Luke 11 and Luke 18, he is not talking to people who did not pray or who did not know how to pray. But what they saw in Jesus as he prayed was something different. They noticed there was something about his praying that beyond, went beyond theirs. It's not that they weren't praying. They were praying men. In fact, uh, the custom that some Jews would pray five to ten times a day, long and outlined prayers. And Jesus did something different, and they noticed it, and they wanted to be taught how to pray. Um, there is something in the prayers of Jesus that apparently was lacking in theirs. There was a depth, there was an understanding, there was a connection 
that they wanted to know about and they wanted to include in their lives. They weren't asking to be taught that they needed to pray. They already knew that. They weren't, being, uh, they weren't asking to be taught how to pray. They already knew that, in a sense. But they did want to know what was it about his prayers that they could learn from. Number one, filial. Prayer must have a filial spirit. Now, that's just a fancy word meaning a family relationship, a child-to-parent, father-to-child relationship. Filial, that's the word, that's the idea. Our prayers are to have a filial spirit about them. They're to have a closeness, an intimacy, a connection with God as father. The Bible does not teach the universal fatherhood of God. He is not the father of all people on earth. He is the father of his children. And people to become a child are to be adopted into his family. Then they become a son or a daughter. Now, God is God over all of the earth, but he is father to those who are in his family, those who are in a relationship with him as father. He says, our father, we have to be a son or a daughter adopted to say father. There are verses in scripture that talk about this, and I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. <clears throat> but when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So we are praying to our heavenly Father. Um, we are to think of ourselves as praying to a Father who invites us and wants us to go to him as a child would go to his Father. You ever gone into a store and your little child just tugs at you, you know, just says, Daddy, I want this. Would you get this for me, please? Would you get this for me? Uh, and they just, they just wear you out. They, you know, they, and finally, what do you do? Well, okay. You know, if it isn't harmful, you, you just may soften your heart and give in to their request. Our Father, who wants us to come to him that way, invites us to come to him as a child. Because he cares about us. He loves us so dearly. We are praying to our Father, and that motivates us to pray often, right? He loves us more than you were loved by your Father. Now, you may have had an imperfect Father. We all have imperfect fathers on earth. But he loves us more than our imperfect fathers on earth. Even when we have a good Father who tries to love us and wants to do well, he's imperfect. But our Father is perfect. He is powerful. He has both the willingness and the ability to answer our prayers. You know, I might have the willingness to help you in something, but not the ability. I might have the ability to help you in something, but not the willingness. 
But God the Father has both the willingness and the ability to help us. Now that makes for a perfect combination, does it not? You know, that's what we need to know. So when we cease to pray as we should, we have probably lost the concept of our childhood before God. He is powerful. He, is, he created the universe by speaking the word, and one day he will destroy the universe in the biggest bonfire you ever saw. Because that's what's coming. One day there's a bonfire where he will burn up all the elements of the universe, you know, just by speaking the word. Number two, our prayers have to have a reverential spirit. <clears throat> After saying, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does he mean by that? He says, get familiar with God. He is your Father, but don't become irreverent. Don't lose the sense of reverence toward him. Have a, a, a view of God that always maintains in your mind how holy, how good, how high, and how righteous he is. Our Heavenly Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's our Father, but we can approach that fact with lightness if we are not careful. We can overdo a good thing. We can become so familiar with God that we forget to reverence him. So Jesus is telling us, have a balance between remembering the intimacy and the love and the closeness of Abba Father, but don't lose the sense of respect, of reverence, of fear toward him, for he holds in his hands our future, you see. Too much of a good thing can cause us to lose respect or to value it as we once did. So always keep that balance, a filial spirit and a reverential spirit. The point is, don't be flippant with him. Uh, live in a sense of reverence. Remember that he will one day end the world in a fiery ball. Number three. Essentials to prayer, a missionary spirit. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I don't think this is primarily talking about the church's coming. I think that there are passages where the kingdom is referring specifically to the church. There's no question about it. But sometimes the word kingdom, which means the reign, the rule, the dominion of God, has a broader sense, and that is wanting God's reign and rule and his dominion over the hearts of people. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, which is the same sermon that we're looking at, in Matthew 5, verse 3, he says, he has already said that the poor in spirit are in possession of the kingdom. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom there is not talking about simply the church. It's talking about a sense of a relationship with God as uh, ruling over us. What do I pray for? I can pray it today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A missionary spirit. 
we want to pray for the rule of God to come into the hearts of men and women. You know, there are men and women right now in the adjoining neighborhoods, men and women who are tortured by a guilty conscience who want release and forgiveness. They want relief in their conscience, and they don't know where to go to get it. There are men and women, fathers and mothers, who want to be better fathers and better mothers, and they don't know where to learn how to do that. And we have the opportunity to share what God's word has to say. Do we not? We do. Um, the rule of God has to come into the hearts of people, those who are poor in spirit. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. I've always said, well, I've, I've said for many, many years, that Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 is maybe one of the fundamental bricks in all of Scripture. It's easy to memorize because it displays an attitude, the starting attitude of a person that God can work with. God can work with the person who is poor in spirit, and then he can rule over that person. He can rule in that person. He says, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Now, have you ever thought about that? When the will of God is expressed in heaven, what do the angels do? Bam. They get busy doing what they're told to do, what the Lord wants done. Thy will be done in heaven as on earth. So whatever is going on in heaven, when God expresses his will, the angels are responding instantly to what God wants. And Jesus says we are to have the same approach. What God wants, we instantly respond to, just like the angels do in heaven. Number four, we're to have a dependent spirit. Give us this day, give me this day, day by day, our needful bread. My life depends on him. It began from him. It's, it is sustained by him. Its ending will be controlled by him. Do you know God's gift? Do you appreciate God's gift? Jesus says that when we pray, we're to have a dependent spirit of complete and total dependence upon him. And we are to look for his daily. He doesn't say, give us this month our monthly needs. He doesn't say, give us this week our weekly needs. He says, give us this day what we need today, right? Now, how does that change our perspective? Probably in most of our homes right now, we have freezers with food to sustain us for a couple of weeks at least, and cupboards with canned goods and things like that. But that wasn't the way they handled food back in Jesus' day. They depended upon God every single day, day by day, for them to have what they needed. Do you remember the time in Israel's history where they were to collect manna? And they were to collect manna only one day, for one day at a time. They couldn't collect more than they needed for one day because what would happen to the manna if it was too much? It would spoil. And the lesson that God was teaching Israel was, depend on me today. 
devote yourself to me today. I'll take care of your needs. You, you focus on the majors, uh, and I will focus on the minors. And so um, sometimes we may think that we earn what we have through our effort. It does take our effort. But God was involved. Who gave you the breath of life? Who gave you hands to work with? Who gave you feet and brain and talents to, to, to work with? I don't know what kind of job you hold. You may have a, 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 a typing job. You may have a blue-collar job, a white-collar job. You may be uh, hammering nails. You might be managing. You might be a farm worker, an electrical worker. Whatever it is, your abilities, what you have, have come from God. And so we are to have a sense of dependence upon him. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth. That's Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. So whatever you have, you got from God and his storehouse. This is today. This, you know, we might say that this prayer is a morning prayer because he starts out, we start out with the idea of this is the morning. Give us this day. We don't say that at 10 o'clock at night. We say that at what? 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m. to start out the day. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread, our needful bread for this day. <clears throat> Live each day to the fullest as though it were the last. Number five, a forgiving spirit. Forgive us our sins or our debts. Sometimes it's translated debts. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now we like the first part of that, but we may not like quite as much the second part of that but that's what he says as God watches us forgive or not forgive there is a corresponding way he will treat us if I am a forgiving man he will treat me with forgiveness that doesn't mean I'm earning anything it just means I'm reflecting what he has taught me and what he has done for me The first part of the statement is not hard, but the second is a little bit more challenging, a little more difficult. He forgives like we do. Do I have such a sense, a sense of my own sinfulness that makes me forgiving of others? Ask forgiveness, but remember our debt to those who are needing our forgiveness. It is so important for us to be forgiving people. And Jesus is telling us that our prayer, essentials to prayer, must include a forgiving spirit. I have a sinful nature, and you do too. And if you don't think that you have a sinful nature, then you need to understand what the scripture says and what Jesus has to say. There is a fight that goes on within us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. 
Number six, we have to have a desirous spirit, a hunger for righteousness, a hunger for what is his, what, what he likes, what he loves, what he wants, what he is. We must love righteousness. There has to be a desire for purity. We are immersed in a, in a uh, society that has become perverse, distorted in its thinking, sick in its thinking in so many different ways. I heard a preacher say years ago, and this is true, we are a sex-crazed society. And when I use the word crazed, I mean in the sense of crazy. We have lost our way. We are in a sex-crazed society. People are, have lost their minds over that subject, and it reflects itself in movies, in television shows, in so many other, other different ways. And not just limited to that. There has to be a sense of a desire to not sin. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, the evil one. A desirous spirit. We must depend totally on God's guidance every step we take. Don't take one step without him. We have to depend totally on his guidance. And then finally, a submissive spirit. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Here is a praiseful spirit. Here is a sense of kingdom and power and glory are his, and we want to see more of it. So what are the essentials of prayer that Jesus gives us? It is a reverential, it is a filial spirit. We approach God as Father. He wants us there. We're a child. A reverential spirit. Don't lose that reverence and respect and fear of God, even though you are a child of God. A missionary spirit. Uh, looking to save souls. Wanting souls saved. Love souls of people, as Jesus did want them, be on fire for lost people to help them to know Jesus and to be saved. A dependent spirit, we are dependent upon him for every day of our needs. A forgiving spirit, don't become bitter. Bitterness, I preached a sermon years ago where I took a fountain pen and you know what a fountain pen is, you, the ink is kind of loose in there, and I placed it in a jar with a paper towel at the bottom. And by the end of the sermon, the little dot of ink that was on the paper towel had spread out all the way around that paper towel. It had stained other things. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, and I want us to turn to Hebrews 12, verse 15, and I am belaboring this point in forgiveness because this is a very important point. Hebrews 12 verse 15, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it 
many be defiled. See, bitterness will defile others around us. It will affect others around us. Be a forgiving person and work at it. And if you need help, God will give you that help. Our prayers, essential to prayer number six, which should be a desirous spirit, as we have seen, a desire for purity, and then finally, a sense of praise, a praiseful spirit, a submissive spirit. Prayer is work. Prayer is work. And let me read a little poem here to close out our lesson. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled upon me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, but you didn't see. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke, up, I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Start off every day with the essentials to prayer. If you want to become a child of God, you can be born again. Be born of water and of the Spirit, John chapter 5, John chapter 3, verse 5. To be born of water and the Spirit, and the water there is H2O. The kind that runs in your bathtub, the kind that's in the river, the pond, whatever. You must be born of water and of the Spirit. You must be born of H2O and the Spirit. And then you rise to walk in newness of life, adopted, part of the family of God. We can help you. We want to help you. We want, we want you to enjoy the joy and the cleansed conscience of forgiveness of sins. Would you come now while we stand and sing? I need